Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have given us Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You teach us and You show us, Lord, how to live. We thank You, God, that You're ever with us. You never fail us, Lord. You never leave us, even in the hard times or the good times, Father. You're there. You said You would be. We thank You, Father, that we have the opportunity to gather together, Lord, with Your people, Lord. Even all the more as we see the great day of the Lord approaching, Father. We haven't forsaken the gathering of ourselves together, even in a pandemic, God. We've gathered together to honor You, to praise You, to lift You up, to learn to be like You, God. We pray that You'd press us into the mold and the image of Jesus Christ, God. And when the world sees us, Lord, they would see Jesus Christ, Father. That they wouldn't see Nathan Morse, they wouldn't see us, Lord, but they would see You, Father. We pray, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. We pray as Your Word comes forth that You'd give me the tongue of the learned, Father. To speak Your Word, Father, in truth and in love. We pray, God, for the seeds that's going to be planted in our hearts this morning. We plead the blood of Jesus on them. That Satan can't pluck them out. That they wouldn't fall on hard ground, Father. That they wouldn't fall on shallow ground and spring up and die under temptation, Lord. Under trials and tests. But Lord, that this seed would go deep into our hearts. That you would plow up our hearts, Father. And they would be fallow ground. They would be broken up to where the seed can go deep. And make good roots, Father. And would spring forth and bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold fruit of righteousness, God. We ask you, Father. For your kingdom to come. For your will to be done. In our lives as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, Daddy. Be glorified here this morning, Father. Amen. So be it. This morning, if I had to put a title on this sermon, it would be called Three-Legged Sheep. Anybody seen any three-legged sheep? (laughs) Well, hopefully by the end of the sermon you'll understand. We're all three-legged sheep. (laughs) John 14, verses 2 and 3, if you want to turn there. Here's what John 14, 2 and 3 says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house. Now the Bible is kind of like eating a meal. You know, like if you're going to eat an elephant... You don't try to stuff the whole thing in your mouth one at a one at a time. You take a little piece of it, and you chew on it, you bite it, and you swallow it. You take another little bite. Well, the Bible's the same way. You can't understand the whole thing all at once, but you take a scripture, and you should be reading your Bible. You know, we're Christians. We read our Bible. If you will read your Bible three chapters a day, just three chapters a day, you will read the entire Bible in one year. And you'll get the Word of God in you. Because when we get to heaven... We are going to be judged by what's in this word. I'm going to get to heaven and God say, Nathan, did you do this? I said, uh, I didn't know I was supposed to. He said, it's right here. So you read your Bible. Three chapters a day, you'll get through the whole Bible. So let's take a bite of this one right here. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Okay, we'll take a bite of that. You chew on it a little bit. You see, what is God really trying to say? In His house are many mansions. Now, the pastor touched on some of this last week. Now, it said to Jesus, the next thing, take another bite. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's saying, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm Jesus. 
In my Father's house are many mansions, dwelling places, a place for us to live. If it wasn't so, He wouldn't have lied to us. He's going to tell us the truth. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing a place for us. Now, He's not building on the mansion. He's not prepping it. You know, He's not putting furniture in there that you like. That's already done. What does it say? In my Father's house are. Are is past tense. The houses are already there. The dwelling places are already in heaven. New Jerusalem, as a pastor touched on last week, it's 1,500 miles square. It's about the size if you take the United States and squeeze it into a square. That's how big New Jerusalem is. The size of the United States. Only it's cubed. It's 1,500 miles by times 1,500 miles times 1,500 miles. So it's not 792, 7,920,000 floors. So if you take one mile, which is 5,280 feet, you multiply it by 1,500, that tells you how high how high New Jerusalem is. It's 1,500 miles. So it's 7,920,000 feet. You divide that by 10 because every floor is about 10 feet tall. That gives you 792,000 United States stacked on top of each other. That's how big New Jerusalem is. Seven, do you think there's room for you? There's only 300, about 330 million people that live in the United States. So you multiply that by 792,000, there's plenty of room for everybody who's ever lived on the earth. It's only about 7 billion now, and I think about 7 billion has lived in the past. There's room for everybody. Did you know that you could take everybody in the world, everybody, put them in Texas, God bless Texas, put them in Texas, and they would all have a 1,000 square feet of living space. All 7 billion of them. So do you think there's overpopulation in the world? It's just another lie. Anyway, God said, Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us. Now he's not preparing, he's not preparing that, that's already done. The angel already measured that out. He knew how big it was. He told us all about it. He told us what the gates looked like. He told how big the walls were. He told how tall it was. It's already done. In my Father's house are, past tense, many mansions. It's already over with. But Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now what place is Jesus preparing for us? It's not the mansions in heaven. He's preparing a place for us. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, there you may be also. Where is the place that Jesus is preparing? If we know it's not heaven, that's already prepared. Jesus wants us, what did he say there? I will come again, receive you unto myself. This is Jesus talking. I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be. So Jesus is preparing a place where he's at. Where is he at? Well, let's see. To go to John 14, verse 20. This is like, like the top part here was kind of eating some of the first, first, uh, round of steak or something. Go down to John 14, 20 here and take a bite of dessert. You ever eat a meal and, uh, 
You reach down there and you got a piece of pie and you take the end off that pie and then you go back to eating your main meal. Well, that's kind of what John 14 verse 20 is. Jesus said, at that day you will know that I am in the Father, that you in me and I in you. The place that Jesus is preparing for us is in himself. The place that he's prepared for us is inside of Jesus. And Jesus said that not only was he, well, not only was he in the Father, but that he was in us and that we were going to be where Jesus is at. Jesus is in the Father. So where does that put us? In the Father. The place that Jesus is preparing for us is in heaven, but it's in the Father. We have a place, you have a place prepared for you in the Father. Not just a mansion in heaven. The mansion's going to be great, but the Father God is there because He wants to restore the relationship that was lost in the Garden of Eden when we sinned and we pulled away from God and when every one of us have sinned and we pulled away from God and we separated ourselves from God, Jesus is wanting to restore that and put us back inside the Father. He said He's gone to prepare a place for you. Now, here's how he prepares a place for us. If I drop this and disappear, it's something. Jesus said he's gone to prepare a place for us. Now, here's how he prepares a place for us. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We all have need of repentance. That's what the Bible says. Everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now if we go into God's presence in our sin, we're going to be like in Revelation. The Bible says when God Jesus comes down and He reveals His glory, that the men that were trying to fight against Jesus Christ, that... Their eyes consume away in their sockets and their skin melts off of their face. It melts off of them because God's glory is so great. So how can we be in Jesus? How can we be in the Father's presence without the Father's presence destroying us? Here's what we do. We go to Romans 10 and 9. And we say, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You see B. You do two things. Confess with your mouth. You say it. You confess it. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. And you believe it in your heart that Jesus really raised from the dead. And if you do that, then Jesus will come. He will take His blood and He will cover us and put us inside of Him Till we are covered. And when we go into God's presence, He doesn't see our sin. Because our sin is gone. It's washed away. The blood of Jesus covers us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we go to be in the Father and we're not consumed or we're not destroyed, but we're accepted into the Father's presence because the blood of Jesus has us covered. 
And God doesn't see me as Nathan Morse. He doesn't see you as yourself. He sees you as the blood of Jesus. He sees you as Jesus Christ. Do you think God's going to accept Jesus Christ into His presence? Of course He is, because He's Jesus Christ. He's the only begotten Son of God. He's the one who died for the sins of the world. He's the one who was crucified on the cross but resurrected. He didn't stay in the grave. He resurrected and He went to heaven to be with the Father. And He's ever interceding at the right hand of the Father for you and for me. And we are covered in the blood. We're in Jesus, the place He prepared for us. And we're going to be with the Father, the place that Jesus prepared for us. The place where we can be with the Father for all eternity. Now eternity. Hmm. And what this is? That's a weed. Not that kind of way. This is sand. Don't worry, they'll vacuum it up. It's sand. This is eternity. This is how long eternity is. Now let me get one of these. You see that? Well, of course not. It's too small. But there's one speck of sand right there on the end of my finger. One speck of sand. This is your life. This is a hundred years. One speck of sand. One hundred years. How many years you think are represented in this bag? Is there a million grains of sand in there? A billion? A trillion? We could spend a million billion years in hell separated from the Father. And it won't reduce your time spent by one second. If you take all this sand, all the sand at Myrtle Beach, all the sand all the way around the world, and you pile it up, that's eternity. This is our life on this earth. Would you trade this for all that sand? All those years, we get to choose whether we go to hell But where do we go to the place that Jesus has prepared for us in the Father? There's only one person that decides. God doesn't decide. He doesn't decide where you spend eternity. The devil doesn't decide. He doesn't decide if you get to go to hell with him. You go where your father's at. Jesus told the Pharisees that they were of their father, the devil, who was a liar from the beginning. When we die... If we have seabed, confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we get to take this piece of sand and we get to go to heaven to the place that Jesus Christ has prepared for us. And this is a hundred years. But when we get to heaven, eternity is the same in heaven as it is in hell. You'll be in the bliss and the in the presence of the Father forever and ever and ever and ever. All the sand in the world represents 100 years for every grain. When you spent a million, billion years in heaven, you won't reduce the time by one second of what you're going to be in heaven because it's eternal. Time is no more. God wipes out time. You will be in heaven from now on. There will be no time. It never ends. It never ceases. But we get to decide whether it's in heaven with the Father or in hell with Satan. And you don't want to go there. Now here's what Jesus said. 
John 13, 3. Jesus knowing that God had put all things into his hand. That he had come from God and that he was going to God. Jesus had come from God. Jesus was going to God. Now we know that this was just a couple of chapters before Jesus was going to be crucified. He's going to raise from the dead. He's paying the penalty for all of our sins. He's going to go to heaven. And he's going to be praying for us. Then one day he said he's going to come back. It's the rapture. He's going to come back and get us. And then we're going to go to be with him in heaven. Or we're going to go to hell. It's our choice. Now, what happens... We all come from the Father. When you were born, when you were conceived, your dad and mom didn't pick you out. They didn't go and say, well, I want this and this and this, and pick you out. Who picked out who was going to be born? There was a million other chances of somebody else being born beside of you. Who decided you were going to be on this earth? Who decided Jesus was going to be on this earth? You were born... In the likeness and image of God Almighty. He said, in the beginning, God created man. In the likeness of God created he him. Male and female created he them. You're not some random mutation that came from a sludge pond. You were born in the likeness and the image of God. God determined that you were going to be on this earth. You were picked out. By God Himself. He said before your days, all your days were any of them. He had already numbered them. He already knows the day you're going to die. He knew it before you were ever born. He knows the beginning from the end. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was slain from the foundations of the world. When God created the world, He already made a way for us to be saved. Because He didn't make hell for us. He made hell for Satan and His angels. Hell's down here. God created the world for us. He created us. God knew you were going to be born. He picked you out. The color of your hair was determined by God. Well, unless you die now, it's different. But originally, it was determined by God. <laughs> I need to get me some color. Anyway, the height, how high you are, how much you weighed when you were born, how much intellect you have. God had already determined all that. He said the hairs of your head are numbered. God knows. He put you here for a purpose and a reason. You're not here by chance. You're not here by accident. Some green avian didn't come and zap life into a, a pond of soup and out come an ape that turned into a man. That's a lie. It's totally impossible. But we that's a different sermon. Anyway. God put you on this earth. He decides who's on this earth. He decided Jesus was on this earth. The Bible says, just like he said, John 13, 3, Jesus came from the Father. So, we are in Jesus, the place he prepared for us. So, you come from the Father also. You come down to earth. You're born on the earth. You have the breath of life, the Ruach HaKodesh. Anyway, you have the breath of life. And then... When you die, you've CB'd, you're in the, you're covered in the blood of Jesus, you've confessed and believed, when you die, you go to the Father. 
Now, if you haven't confessed and believed, you go, you still go to your Father, who's in hell. Now, the thing is, we all come from God, and we're all going to our Father. But what happens in the middle here? What is this? Jesus came from God, came from God. Jesus went to the Father. We're going to the Father. We're all in Jesus if we've CB'd. Here is your life. Now here's the problem. It's great to know that you came from God. Woo! Praise the Lord. It's great to know that you have CB'd, that you're covered in the blood of Jesus. All your sins are washed away. And when you die, you're going to heaven. That's shouting stuff. Well, what happens in the middle here? What happened to Jesus? 30 years, it's probably kind of normal. He worked in the carpenter shop. We know he went to school. Um, his dad probably died when he was younger and he had to take care of his family. When he got to be about 33 years old, he just kind of lived a normal life. Just like us, just living your life, trying to do what you know is right. But when he got to about three years from the end of his life, something happened to Jesus. It was one of these. Jesus knew what was waiting for him towards the end of his life. He had to prepare a place for you. He had to prepare a place for me. Right in the middle of his life. He's coming from the Father. He's going to the Father. In the middle, your life happens. If you're in Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross, where are we going? What happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. We're in Jesus. We came from the Father. Living our lives. We're going to the Father. But there's going to be a cross in your life. There's going to be something tough in your life. There's going to be something you have to suffer. It ain't going to be easy. And sometimes it's going to get so bad, you may even despair of life. Let me tell you about a sheep. <laughs> Sheffy the sheep. Sheffy the sheep had a good life. Man, he had it made. He had a shepherd that took care of him and loved him. He would lead him beside still waters. Old shepherd would get up there. He'd drink that cold water and the water was just smooth. You know, it wasn't rough or nothing. Because the shepherd would take him to a safe place to get a drink of water. And shepherd would get him a cold drink of ice cold water thrown out of the stream. Ooh, it was great. And then the shepherd would lead shepherd into green pastures. He would take him into green pasture where the grass was about six inches deep, perfect for a sheep, and it was green, green, green. He would eat that grass. Mm, it was so delicious. He was getting fat off of it. He loved that green grass. His shepherd would lead him beside still waters. His shepherd would make him lie down in green pastures. Sheppy loved it. The shepherd told Sheppy, Sheppy, I'll always be with you. So Sheppy, man, he loved it. Life was good. Plenty to eat, plenty to drink. The shepherd would protect him when a wolf would come around. The shepherd would take his staff and he'd beat the daylights out of that wolf. When a bear would try to eat him, he would kill the bear. Or a lion. The shepherd took care of, she- the shepherd took care of Sheppy. But one day Sheppy was walking. He was walking on the edge of a trail. 
And all the sheep, you're making a lot of noise. That's sheep for, what are you doing? Back up, you're crowding me. So Sheppy was going, he was walking down this trail. Well, he trips. He falls over the edge of this little embankment. Down at the bottom of this embankment, there was a little rock wall. And the rock wall was just high enough where Sheppy couldn't get back over the rock wall. So Sheppy's laying down there and he says, Oh, well, I'll holler for the shepherd. He'll come and get me. We'll be good. And so he listens and he hears all the sheep. Blah, blah, blah. He said, Oh, no. So he starts hollering as loud as he can. And the sheep, they were all going. So the shepherd couldn't hear him. The shepherd's out front. He's leading all the sheep to the green pastures. So Sheppy's down here, and he said, what am I going to do? So he baths as loud as he can for as long as he can. And nobody hears him. Because all the other sheep are talking. So Sheppy's laying here. He's saying, he hollers until his voice is throat. He cries until he can't cry anymore. There's nothing left in him. There's no more cry left. So Sheppy says, what am I going to do? Well, he's up against this rock cliff. It's too high for him to climb. And water's in front of him, and the water's running kind of fast. And he knows if he gets in that water, he's going to drown because he's a sheep. If they get the wool, get wet, they can't get out. So he said, well, um, I'll get me a drink of water and let my voice rest, and then I'll holler some more. And when it gets to be dark, the shepherd will count the sheep, and he'll know I'm missing, and he'll come and get me. So that's Sheppy's plan. He gets up there, he gets him a drink of water, and he lays down for a minute, and he waits, and he falls asleep. And while Sheppy's asleep, it gets dark. So Sheppy's sleeping here. He wakes up. And he says, oh no, it's dark. And the moon is shining real bright. One of those big full moons. And shining down and he can see around him. And he looks right around the edge. He says, I hope the shepherd comes soon. And he, he gets him another drink of water. And he tries to bat. But he's all cried out. There's no cry left in him. So Sheppy waits there. And he says, surely the shepherd will come in a minute. And he watches. And he waits. And he sees something coming, all right. He sees some eyes out there right on the edge of the peripheral, right where the woods start on the other side of the water. And then on this side of the water, he's thinking, is that the shepherd? And he tries to go back, and he can't. And he looks, and the eyes look kind of yellow. And they get closer. And the he smells a stench. It smells like death. And Sheppy's thinking, oh no, it's not the shepherd, it's a wolf. And the wolf comes in very carefully, looking for the shepherd. And he gets up there. He starts sniffing the wind. Mm. He smells Sheppy. He says, all right, I'm going to have sheep for supper. And Sheppy looks at the wolf, and the wolf grins his teeth. And his teeth are yellow, have chunks of meat in them. He's got blood on his face from his last kill. He smells like death, and his mouth is salivating, just waiting to get a hold of Sheppy. But then Sheppy's worst nightmare comes true. He looks around, and there's not one wolf. There's a whole bunch of wolves. There's four or five wolves. So Sheppy's waiting there, and he's he's backed up against the rock wall, and there's nothing he can do. Sheep don't have claws to fight with. Sheep don't have teeth to fight with. All Sheppy can do is call for the shepherd, and he can't because his voice is gone. He's going, ah, ah, and he knows the shepherd's not going to find him. So the wolves look at him to get closer. And they pounce on the Sheffy. And they start eating him. And the one gets him by the throat and starts slinging him back and forth and choking the life out of him. And Sheffy's watching the moon and it's getting darker. It's getting darker. And one wolf is, is chewing on his leg. And one's got him in the side. And Sheffy's thinking, I'm going to be supper for a pack of wolves. And Sheffy passes out. 
And then a little while later, Sheppy wakes up. He's thinking, he looks around to see if he's in heaven. Huh? There's a stream. There's the green pastures. I see a flock of sheep, and he looks up and he sees the shepherd. And Sheppy said, I'm alive. And he tries to say thank you to the shepherd. He goes, ah, he still can't talk. See, Sheppy's been scarred. The life was almost choked out of it. He looks back, he gets up, and the shepherd says, you're okay, Sheppy. I'm taking care of you. You just take it easy. Sheppy gets up and he's going to walk. And he goes to take a step and he falls. And he looks, and his leg's gone. The wolf has ate off one of his legs. Sheppy the sheep is a three-legged sheep now. The wolves ate one of his legs. Are you a three-legged sheep? Has Satan had a hold of you and you think he's going to choke the life out of you? He's going to kill you? Have you been through some hard stuff? I know you. I know a lot of you. I know you have. Have you lost a mate? Have you lost children? Have you lost children animate? Have your finances been attacked? Has your health been attacked? Do you think, I'm at the end of my rope, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? Satan is going to kill me. It feels like he's got me by the throat and I can't breathe. And there's nothing I can do about it. I've cried all I know to cry. I've fasted, I've prayed, I've read my Bible. I've tried to do what I know to do. But I don't know how to get delivered. I've got a leg missing. I'm walking around on three legs. Satan has hurt me. Just like Sheppy, we're all three-legged sheep. <laughs> you know who Job is. What happened to Job? In one day, Job lost all his cattle, all his sheep, all his goats, all his camels, all his donkeys. And worse than that, Job lost all ten of his children in one day. His money was all gone. His children were all gone. His friends come to help him. And you know what Job's friends did? They told him he was evil. Job, if you weren't evil, these bad things would not be happening to you. They said, Job, you take advantage of widows. You don't feed the hungry. You don't help the fatherless. You're an evil man. That's why all these bad things are happening to you. Job said, I haven't done all that. I've tried to be good. You know what God said about Job? God said Job was a perfect man. How would you like it if God said you was a perfect man? That's a pretty good witness. If God says it, you know it's true. Here's where Sheppy was at. Here's where Job's at. Here's where we are sometimes. Job got so bad, even his wife told him, said, why don't you curse God and die and get it over with? Your life is miserable. And Job got so miserable, he had lost everything. His family, his friends, his finances, his health. You know what happened to Job next? Satan, God gives Satan so much slack to work on Job. Job was covered from head to foot with boils. Not just with boils though. Painful boils. It hurt. The Bible said that the dogs would come and lick his sores. And that all he had was a pot shirt, a broken piece of pottery, and he would scrape himself to try to relieve some of the pain from the, the boils that was covering his body. It, this was probably for a couple of years of his life. Job was here. 
And Job didn't know why. He said, if I only had a daysman that would go between me and between God and ask God, what is happening here? God, I've tried to serve you. You even said I was a perfect man. Why are all these bad things happening to me? Why am I here, God? And Job finally gets to talk to God. You know what God's answer was? (laughs) Here's what God told Job. God answers Job. He comes in a whirlwind. He comes to Job. And Job says, Why is all this happening to me? This is paraphrased. God says to Job, Honey, that ain't what he said. You're going to be okay. I love you. That's not what God said. Here's what God said to Job. Where were you when I created the earth? When I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I created Leviathan? Do you know how to run this world? Job, you don't know. I'm God. I run the world. And sometimes that's the only answer you get. God is God. He does what He wants to do. He don't always explain it to us. You may not know why you're going through tough stuff. You may never know on this side of heaven why what happens to you happens to you. But God said, I mean Job said, here was Job's answer. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Do you want to go to heaven to be with God? you want to go to that place that Jesus has prepared with His blood that He covers us with? Then you have to go through a cross. And you're not going to understand everything that happens to you. There's going to be some tough stuff. But you're going to have to come to the point where you say, Though God slays me, I'm still going to serve Him because He's God. He runs the world. I don't I don't know what's going on, but God does. And He's going to work this for my good somehow, some way, maybe on the other side of heaven. But He said He would do it and He never lies. How about Joseph? You know what happened to Joseph? Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. How would you like that? Sold into slavery. His brothers hated him so much they were going to kill him, but they figured, well, we'll make some money off of him. Sold into slavery. And then, he became a good slave. He ended up being in charge of the whole house of Potiphar. And guess what happens next? Nothing good. He was falsely accused of rape. And put in prison unjustly. Do you think Joseph despaired of life like Job did? Well, it doesn't say specifically, but he did. He interpreted some dreams for a baker and a cupbearer for the king. He said, remember me, I'm put in prison unjustly. I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm here unjustly. Remember me before the king. But they forgot him. And he was a couple more years, years in prison, unjustly, sold as a slave. But now Job, I mean Joseph, God told him what happened to him, what happened. Later on, as there was a famine, Joseph's brothers come back and Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And his, when he reveals himself to his brothers, he said, Don't be angry at yourself for selling me into slavery because you meant it for evil, but God means it for good. God used me to save millions of people's lives. There was a great famine, a seven-year famine. And if Joseph hadn't stored up grain People would have died. All the Israelites probably would have died. The nation of Israel would have been wiped out. The Egyptians would have died. Joseph had so much grain, they said they couldn't even number it because there was so much grain stored up. So you may be like Job. We're all like Sheppy. 
We're all three-legged sheep. Your life may be like Job. You may never know the reason what you have to go through. Or your life may be like Joseph. God may tell you the reason. But all our lives are going to be like Jesus. What happened to Jesus? Did Jesus despair of life? Right here. We come from the Father. We live our lives. We're going to the Father. or to our Father. We all go through this. Jesus is right here. What happened to Jesus? Oh, what did he do? Let's see. He fed thousands of people for free. Sick people would come to him and he would heal them. He was a good teacher. He taught them and trained them how to live a good life. What would work in this life? He went about doing good. He took care of widows and orphans. We know he gave money to the poor. He had a guy that did that. Jesus did all these good things. He went about doing good. And what did he get him? What happened to Jesus? Did he get rewarded for his works? Not yet. Not on this earth. He would, but not yet. Jesus was on the cross. I think the last two things he said. Next to the last thing he said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ. He felt like God had forsaken him. So what do you do when you feel like God's forsaken you? What do you do when you're on the cross? What do you do when you're going through this life? You've come from the Father and you're trying to get back to the Father, but there's bad things that happen in your life. What do you do when you suffer like Job and you lose everything? When you lose your health, you lose your finances, you lose your mate, you lose your family. What do you do when all the evil that happens to you? What do you do when you're a three-legged sheep like Sheppy and Satan has chewed off your leg? What do you do when you despair of life like Jesus and you say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? What's the next thing Jesus said? Last thing he said on the cross, I believe. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You serve Jesus Christ to the death. Then you commit your spirit into his hands. Then you know what he does with it? What did he do with Jesus? You're in Jesus, the place He prepared for us because you have confessed and believed. What did He do with Jesus? He took Him to heaven. And then, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before Him, He suffered all these things. So, when we get through with this life, we may be like, you know, after Job had suffered everything he suffered, he had twice as much as what he had before. And this slice of life that he was in, where he went on the cross... Job suffered like several, maybe a couple years. Joseph, he suffered several years. But in the end, Joseph was ruler of all of Egypt, which was the number one nation of the time. He was second in command. Job was the greatest man in all the East. He had more money than anybody. He had ten more kids. He had more cattle, more sheep, more donkeys, more goats than everybody else in the East. The whole East at that time. He was the wealthiest, probably the wealthiest man on earth that they knew of. But they had to go through this. We all have to go through that. And sometimes you're going to know why. Sometimes you're not going to go why. But
me tell you one more story. <laughs> Here's what you do when you don't know what to do. You say in your hands, I commit my spirit. But see, we've got to fight on this side. Yeah, we know that when we get to heaven, there's a place prepared for us. Because we have confessed and believed. We brought forth fruits of repentance. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. And we know that no matter what the devil, though he slay us, we're going to serve God. Though he lets the devil kill us. What did Paul say? For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. Go to heaven is gain. We have CB'd. We've confessed and believed. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. We're going to that place that Jesus has prepared for us. We have chosen to take our sand, our life, and go to the Father in heaven, and not the Father in hell, by confessing and believing. Let me tell you one more story. <laughs> when I was in junior high school, my daddy had an old truck. Old red truck had a black wooden bed on the back of it. Sometimes he'd come to school and pick us up. Well, one day, my t- brother Talmadge, he's older than me, my brother Talmadge had a trumpet and a pile of books. We was getting out of school. And Dad had come to pick us up. Well, Talmadge is coming out of the school. He sees the truck. He's walking over there. I'm standing across the road or something. I don't know, but I remember seeing this. And uh, Talmadge was about six foot one, tall, skinny guy. He's got about an eight foot tall attitude, though. If you do it. So, tell me about 6'1". He comes out of the school. And there's this boy there, kind of the bully type. He's like a freak of nature. He's like six foot two, 240 pounds. He's big as a man in junior high school. And he didn't care to throw his weight around. So, Tamish comes out. Got his trumpet. Got his books. The bully says he's going to have a little fun at Tamish's expense. He grabs Tamish's trumpet. And he hangs on, and Tamish jerks it, and he can't get it away from him. He's got his arm full. Sometimes the devil's going to put his hand on your stuff. Sometimes the devil's going to put his hand on you. And God's going to let him for a reason. You may know the reason. You may not know the reason. So, this bully has a hold of Tamish's trumpet. Tamish's trying to get loose, and he can't. So, Tamish has one magic word. And when he says this one word, everything changes. He says one word. I'll tell you what the word is in a minute. Because you can use it. You can all use this word. And it'll help. When he said this word, somebody got out of that truck. The red truck. Who was in the driver's seat? Big bad dad. The door flies open on the truck. Dad comes around. He didn't have to say nothing. He said, hey, but he didn't have to say nothing. The bully saw him. You know what he did? His hands immediately came loose of the trumpet, up in the air, backing up, crawled at him against the wall of the school. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just playing, I'm just playing, I'm sorry. Well, the boy didn't play no more. Talmadge just kind of grinned. Goes getting the truck. You know what the word was that Talmadge used? He said, Dad! When you're in trouble, when Satan is chewing your leg off, when you're a three-legged sheep, when he's attacking you and he's destroying you and he's hurting you and you don't know what to do, here's what you do. You say, Daddy! Daddy God! Satan is killing me down here! Daddy God! You see the pain I'm in? He's destroying my body! He's hurting me! Daddy! My kids are dying! They're on the way to hell! 
what to do. There's Satan is still in my finances, God, and I have vowed to be faithful, but he's still in my stuff. Oh, Daddy, help me, Daddy. Your Father is the ever-present help in a time of trouble. If you would, stand up with me. Let's do some praying. You know, your Father God, let's let's holler out for that. Is anybody here that doesn't know the Lord? Is there anybody here that hasn't taken their piece of sin? That they're when they die, they're going to go to hell. If you don't know that you're going to the place that Jesus Christ has prepared for you, if you're not wrapped in the blood of Jesus Christ, you need to come down to this altar right now and confess and believe and Jesus Christ will save you from your sin. He'll save you from everything. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone that's lost here this morning, I pray that they would come to this altar and be saved, Lord, and give their life to You. If you're on Facebook and you need to be saved, God, in the name of Jesus, save their souls. May they give their life to You. We don't want them going to hell, Father. You created heaven. You prepared a place for us. You covered us with Your blood, Jesus, so we don't have to go to hell. Oh God. Has anybody got anybody that's lost? You got a mate that's lost. You got a friend that's lost. You got a son that's lost. You got a daughter that's lost. Let's pray. Oh God, Daddy, help Daddy, help Daddy, help, help Daddy. My son is on his way to hell. He says he's an atheist, God. Oh God, my daughter's on the way to hell. I pray that you would save them. God, you said you would fight against those that fight against me and you would save my children. That's your promise, God. Lord, you said to call out their name to you. I cry out their name to you. Save Brendan and Brittany. If you have a lost loved one, pray to God. Daddy, save my mate. Daddy, save my wife. Save my husband. Save my children. Save my friends. Save my co-workers. Daddy, help. Daddy, help. Satan has got his hands on my stuff. <laughs> has Satan got his hands on your finances? Let's pray. Daddy! Lord, you said to bring all the tithes into the storehouse of the Lord and put you to the test and see if you would not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we could not even contain. Satan's got his hands on my finances, God. Dad, you said to give and it would be given to us. Pressed down, shaking together, running over measure with me given to our bosom. God, we pray finances on these people. Lord, you said you would bless the work of our hands. Those are all your words. Daddy, help Are you sick? Is your body under attack? Does anybody need healing in this place? You serve the awesome God. Here's what you do. Your daddy's waiting for you to cry out to him. If you are sick and you need healing, your daddy's waiting. Daddy! Help! I'm sick! I'm afflicted, Lord! Lord, this disease is going to kill me if you don't do something, Lord! This disease is destroying me if you don't do something, God! Lord, I'm going to serve you till the day I die! Lord, if you slay me, I'm going to serve you! But I ask God in the name of Jesus, you would heal me! Daddy, you said you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. We claim your promises, Dad. Dad, heal our bodies. (laughs) Are you lonely and depressed? (laughs) It's the same scripture. 
Is the devil trying to oppress your mind? Trying to discourage you? Trying to stop you from following the Lord? Because of the cross in your life? Because you've been through some bad stuff? Because you're going to go through some bad stuff? None of us get out of here alive. We're all three-legged sheep. Something's going to happen that's going to be tough. And you're thinking you may not make it. But here's what you do. You commit your hand into the Spirit of God. And you don't take it. God may not give you a leap or a way out of your trial test, but He'll show you the next step. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordained of the Lord. He'll show you one step. Then you know what you get next. You may not get the leap. He's not going to show the whole path. You get one more step. You keep walking. You take one step at a time. God, I don't have strength. I'm like Sheppy the sheep. My leg's been chewed off. All I've got left is the strength for one more step. That's what you get. Your God loves you. He knows what you're going through. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was tempted in every way like we. Yet without sin, He knows everything has happened to you. And He knows it's horrible. He knows that sometimes you've been on hell on earth. But there's a reason. You may know it or you may not. But there's a reason why we go through hell on earth. What happened to Jesus when He resurrected? His disciples were afraid. They were in hiding in a room. Jesus disappeared. He was in His glorified body. He didn't have to open the door. But what was still in His glorified body? When Jesus got in the room, He was in His glorified body. Thomas said, I don't believe until I put my fingers in the holes in His hand and in His side. Jesus was resurrected from His glorified body. He was in the room. He said, Thomas, come here. Did He say, Thomas, you doubter, get away from me. He said, come here, Thomas. Put your hands right here. Put your finger. Jesus still had the scars. He said, come here, Thomas. Put your hand in my side. Jesus still had the scars. After His resurrection. After He had His glorified body. What happened to Thomas when he saw the scars? Woo! Thomas believed. Thomas believed. When somebody sees your scars, you know what's going to happen? When your scars are revealed, on the outside, y'all look really good. But on the inside, your spirit man is a three-legged sheep. On the inside, you've been wounded. You've been hurt. You've been bruised. You've been abused. You've been mistreated. You've been depressed. You've been broken. And God knows it. But when somebody sees your scars, they're going to believe. If he can live for Jesus after going through that, I can live for Jesus. If they can go through that kind of hell on earth, I can go through that kind of hell on earth and still keep my faith. If Jesus Christ can be tortured to death on the cross to bring people to Himself, then I can suffer to bring people to God. Oh God, sometimes the oppression is deep and hard and heavy, Lord. Sometimes, Daddy, it feels like we're not going to make it. But God, You said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of every one. You said you were wounded for our transgressions. You are bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. But by your stripes we are healed. Daddy, 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 you're Almighty God. You're Almighty God. Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We are hard pressed on every side. 
yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. We carry about the cross of Jesus Christ in our spirit, in our wounds. But God is using it to bring other people to Him. You're soldiers of the cross. We endure hardship as a soldier. Father God loves you. (laughs) He's going to let you go through some stuff. You may know why, you may not know why. You come from the Father. You're living your life. You're going to go through a cross. And you're going back to the Father. And when you get to heaven, when you get back to the Father, it's never going to end. Now on, a million, 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 million years, you'll still be in the presence of the shepherd, in the glories of heaven. And your scars are going to glorify the Father. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. It's going to be some tough stuff. Yeah, I know. We all go through it. The thing is, you go through it. You don't stuck in it. Does anybody need prayer? If anybody needs prayer, come down here and we'll holler for Dad. Daddy! If you need prayer, come on, we'll pray for you. Anybody? Oh, bless your name, Father. Bless your name, Father. Daddy! 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 We cry out to you, Dad. We cry out to you, Father. You are Almighty God. You turn curses into blessings, Lord. We walk around on three legs, but you take what Satan means for evil, and you mean it for our good. Daddy God, Daddy God, Daddy God. You love us. You have good things in store for us, God. Daddy God, you're the one that turns curses into blessings. Daddy God, whereby we cry, Abba Father, whereby we cry, Daddy God, Daddy God, Daddy God. He's not like your daddy. He's a good daddy. He's perfect. He's loving. He's kind. He's merciful. He turns curses into blessings. He saves your loss. He heals your body. He heals our finances. He's Almighty God. We praise you, God. We bless you, Lord. We glorify you, God. There's none like you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are Almighty God. There's none like you. Daddy! Daddy! Daddy God! You're perfect in all your ways. You run the world, God. We don't. We don't know why. But you are the one who laid the foundations of the earth, God. You're the one that created Leviathan. You're the one that created the behemoth. You're the one, Lord. You are God. You're Almighty. We submit our lives to you, God. We submit our lives to you, Father. All the good things, all the hard things, all the bad things, God. All the crosses, Lord, that we'll have to bear. We submit it to you, Jesus Christ. You're God. You're Almighty. You're all-powerful. You are Daddy God. Great is the Lord our God. Great is the Lord your God. Great is the Lord your God. Blessed be your name, Father. Blessed be your name, Father. Blessed be your name, God. Oh, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you, Father. There's no one like you. There's no one like our God. 
Holy is your name, Father. Holy is your name. Let's just worship the Lord for a minute. Worthy of our praise, God. Worthy of our adoration. Worthy, God. King of kings and Lord of lords. We bless you. We praise you, God. We are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. You receive us into heavenly places. You receive us into your glory. You receive us into heaven, Lord. You cover us in your blood. You have prepared a place for us. And one day we'll go to that place you have prepared for us. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name.